Chapter thirty two of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter thirty two A Message from Tennyson. Speeding in a panic from what she feared might happen behind her at any moment, soon out of sight of the scene, but with ears pitched for the sound of a shot and a volley of shots her head swimming with excitement and her heart beating a roll in her breast kate urged her horse down the road and belle's silence her enigmatic face as she listened later to the story only convinced kate that her own apprehensions of trouble were well founded it's coming was all she could get belle to mutter as belle hobbled on a lame foot at mealtime between the table and the stove but nobody can say when or where. Both the women could tell even earlier than this from McAlpin's intimations, from watching groups of men in the street, and from the way in which those who could have no direct interest in the affairs of the falling wall country were hurrying to and fro, that Laramie had reached town with his prisoners and was busy getting them jailed kate stunned by her father's utter coldness in casting her out did not want to talk about it she had left home resolved to tell belle everything despite the humiliating shame of the recital but the excitement of the ride and the stir in the town were excuses enough to put off explaining it was possible that her father might become as ashamed of himself as she was of him in which event nothing said would be best but when Bradley stopped the ranch wagon before Bell's cottage door with Kate's suitcase and trunk, something was needed to satisfy Bell. Kate's intimation that she should spend a few days in town and might be called east was somewhat disjointed, but at the moment enough. Bradley, however, after unloading the trunk and while Bell stood wondering, reappeared at the door with two rifles lord almighty man cried bell already stirred what are you doing with them rifles bradley tried to placate his nervous questioner i'm just leaving em here bell while i go down to get a load of feed he explained with dignity don't you believe you're leaving any rifles here bill bradley this is nobody's arsenal i want you to know why bell they belong to the ranch remonstrated bradley what's that got to do with it she exclaimed turning from the door and shutting it vigorously in bradley's face as he stood discomfited i wonder if everybody's going crazy in this country on this point kate entertained convictions that she did not express she was only glad that bell's curiosity usually robust enough concerning ranch happenings was now under more engrossing pressure concerning what was setting the town ablaze that day only confused echoes reached the secluded women and chiefly through the butcher between whom and bell a tacit armistice was soon in effect chops were slashed ruthlessly as he revealed details of what was going on and the patent block shook under the savage blows of the cleaver while the butcher hinted at things more momentous to come from him bell learned that van horn and stone had been held somewhere up at tennyson's incommunicado 
Val of Fever and Saudi, while Laramie, opposed by the cattleman's lawyer, was demanding from Justice Drewell warrants for his prisoners, and that after they had reluctantly been issued, Sheriff Drewell had pigeonholed them until Tennyson, backing Laramie, had told Drewell, after a big row, he would run him out of town if he didn't take his prisoners to jail. It was five o'clock when the butcher, instead of sending over the boy, brought the meat for supper himself. They're locked up, he said in a terse undertone as he handed his package to Bell. There was a big bunch up there when they put em in. Some of em talked pretty loud about a jail delivery. Laramie stood right there to see they went into their cells, and they went. Were you there? demanded Bell. I was. What did Laramie say? All he said to Drool was, If you don't keep em locked up, Drool, I take no responsibility for what happens. I come all the way from the jail with Laramie myself, recited the butcher. Walked right alongside him and Harry Tennyson down to the hotel. Well, if you walked so far with him, is he coming here for supper? The butcher was taken aback. How in thunder should I know? he blurted out. There you go, slamming away with your blasphemy again. Couldn't you ask him? Why, yes, Bell, I reckon I could. Maybe I can. Say, he returned after starting down the steps to point to the package in her hand. There's a mess of sweetbreads in there for you. Shucks, I can't use sweetbreads tonight, Heine. Throw them away, then. A present, ain't they? Nobody in town eats them but you. Kate, unfortunately, suggested braising the sweetbreads for Saudi and Lefebvre. What? exclaimed Belle. Men don't eat sweetbreads, don't you know that? You've got to give them steak. Round steak, and the tougher the better. Tough as cowhide and fried to tears. They'd be insulted. Lefevre and Saudi won't be here tonight anyway. They're in Medicine Bend on an Indian case. All I'm wondering is whether Jim's coming. But Laramie did not come, greatly to Kate's relief. He spent the night at the hotel and left town early. Next morning when Belle heard the news of the street, she was thankful he had gone, for it was said that Van Horn and Stone were out of jail. Barb had been summoned in the night by the lawyers, and next day the prisoners were out on bail. Laramie had made no secret of his riding north, except that, in the circumstances, he preferred to ride the night trail rather than the day trail. He wanted to look up his cattle and see Cimarron, and he thought he knew Barb well enough to be sure the stock would be sent back very promptly in as bad condition as possible. He got to his ranch in good time. There were no signs of life anywhere. Riding about noon over to Cimarron's, he found his shack empty, but he hunted up food and cooked himself a breakfast. While he was eating peacefully at Cimarron's, Van Horn was with Stone and Doubleday, the three breakfasting in the back room of a Main Street saloon. Just what took place at that breakfast was not figured out for a long time afterward, if it really ever was. But the street heard that Van Horn and Doubleday had had a quarrel at breakfast, and that Doubleday, in a rage, had turned the prisoners over to the sheriff and asked to be released from his bail bond. No news more exciting could have reached Belle Shockley, 
She heard the story up street and ran halfway home to tell Kate, who remained in seclusion. Kate herself was not less excited. The news meant so much if it were true, and the butcher confirmed it beyond a doubt. By nightfall everybody knew that Van Horn and Stone were locked up again. One man in town was not altogether at ease over the day's developments. Tennyson spent much time that afternoon in the hotel billiard room, it being the best clearing house for the street gossip. He tried more than once during the afternoon to get hold of Kitchen or Carpy. Neither was in town, and with the day drawing to a close, Tennyson's restlessness increased. He was standing late in the evening near a favorite corner at the upper end of the bar and above the billiard tables, when among the crowd drifting in and out of the room he caught sight of Ben Simmerall. Tennyson lost no time. Without moving, he asked the nearest bartender to take a message to the old rancher. And when Simmerall passed through the door leading into the hotel, Tennyson was behind him. He followed Simmerall into the office and back past the washroom through the hallway leading to the sample rooms. Opening the door of the first of these, Tennyson pressed the light button and, motioning Simmerall to enter, followed him into the room, closed the door, locked it, and sat down facing the rancher. "'I want to get a message to Jim Laramie, Ben,' he began at once. "'You know what's going on here today.' The old rancher nodded silently. "'Can you ride to the falling wall for me right away with a word for Laramie?' Simmerall said nothing, but his heavy eyes closed as he nodded again. "'Laramie's gone home. He thinks Van Horn is in jail. The story is,' continued Tennyson, "'that Van Horn and old Barb quarreled that they came to blows, and that Barb turned Stone and him over to Drool again to lock up. Tennyson spoke slowly and impressively. Tell Laramie, he said, I copper all that stuff, every bit of it. Tell him to look out. I don't know what them fellas have got in their heads, but it's something. Van Horn won't be in jail long. He's out again now. Tennyson eyed his messenger steadily. "'What do you mean?' "'I just come from Hitchcliffe's saloon. They've been out an hour.' Hard as the blow struck home, Tennyson did not bat a lash. "'We may be too late,' he said. "'It's worth trying. Warn Jim if you can.' "'I can. There'll be a good horse for you at Kitchens. Ask McAlpin for it. Tell him I couldn't get hold of a man any quicker. Will Jim sleep at your place tonight? Cimarron shook his head. No telling. Tennyson rose, drawing from a trousers pocket a roll of bills. He slipped off several and passed them to Cimarron. What's this for? asked Cimarron, looking at the money as it lay across his hand and then at Tennyson. The gambler regarded him evenly. You're getting old, Ben. Not when it comes to doing the turn for Jim. Tennyson literally swore the money on him. Ride hard, he said. An hour may make the difference. Cimarron listened to the injunction, but he was putting the money away as slowly and carefully as if he never expected to see money again. This done, 
he hitched his trousers shifted his quid pushed his hat and followed tennyson across the room he was so slow that tennyson was forced inwardly to smile at his own exasperation never get nervous do you ben he asked imperturbably nervous tennyson unlocking the street door of the long room only stood by with his hand outstretched to speed his laggard messenger the old man stepped out into the night. Tennyson, looking after him, shook his head doubtfully. But he was doing what he could, and he knew that though the old fellow walked slow, once in a saddle he could ride fast, and that for Laramie he would do it. End of chapter 32